0: Hey Mads, let's take a page break. Welcome to Page Break. I'm Jeremy.
1: And I'm Madison.
0: And it's um, it's Jeremy's pick this week, but this is also a, um, let's say a blue revised draft of this week's episode of Page Break. <laughs> uh, audio issues did not allow us to actually use the first time we recorded this, so... You've got us in second draft oh, land, yes. but as they say, writing is rewriting. So I think we're um, we're in good shape when it comes to uh, talking about this piece of writing, which is one of my favorite pieces of writing that I've writ- read/slash seen in the last couple of years from one of my favorite shows of the last couple of years. Uh, this week, Jeremy's pick is the San Junipero episode of. Black Mirror,
1: which is a wild ride.
0: Ooh, baby, you know Ooh, a heaven, we'll it's so freaking good. Written by Charlie Booker and directed by Owen Harris, this episode of the anthology series Black Mirror essentially follows, again, I don't know how to describe this episode, because just like every episode of Black Mirror, there is a twist of sorts, but it isn't really like a, oh my god, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time twist, it's more (laughs) of a, you don't really understand this world when you start, and you slowly kind of figure it out as you go. But what I can essentially say about the episode when you begin is, it's about a young woman, who comes to this town called San Junipero and is very um, anxious and worried and not really sure of herself or her sexuality, finds this woman named uh, Kelly that she falls in love with and they start a romance together. But what the audience slowly realizes over time is that this is not an actual uh, island retreat. This is actually a cloud-based... Uh, um, mind dump like it's basically if you could upload your brain to the cloud but in the future they do it for either dead or dying people so that they can essentially have heaven on earth which is very you know succinctly put with the, cons- the um, recurring theme of Ooh, heaven is a base which you will hear many times
1: and this I want you to know that I have listened to that song at least 50 times since starting this review.
0: I've only listened to it once and it but it has played repeatedly in my brain because <laughs> it is a catchy as hell of a song and rarely do you find a song that like so specifically just like threads the needle of a theme so directly. It's kind of incredible.
1: It really is, and it it also serves as a way to make the story very circular, and it comes back around, and by the time you hear it the second time at the end, it's like, oh, like the message is really driven home.
0: Absolutely, because we'll get into the actual writing of this episode, but in the actual episode itself, the first song you hear uh, once you kind of come into this world of San Junipero for, for the record, also, every song that is that is in this episode is written in. This is one of those episodes where the writer made a specific direct point of making specific music choices that were not broad in theme, but were specific in lyric and tone, uh, which only comes from a very uh, encyclopedic knowledge of a certain era of music, which Charlie Booker seems to definitely have. But when the episode begins, the first thing you hear are the lyrics to... Heaven is a Place on Earth, which when you're going into this like world of 1987 with it's it looks like this kind of touristy town on like the Pacific Coast and all these kind of young kids all whooping and laughing. You do notice and you don't notice this till later. There are no old people in San Junipero. It is only people from like the age of like 19 to 22. Maybe everybody is just like in primo prime of their lifetime. But the first song you hear is Heaven is a Place on Earth, which at the moment puts you in the place. But as the episode continues, you realize that this song is essentially a metaphor for this futuristic technology that would allow you to upload your brain into the cloud and essentially live forever in not quite the biblical sense of heaven, but certainly a literal sense of heaven.
1: I think his song choices for... The show have a lot to do with how he had to walk this fine line of this is a period piece, but it's also not it's set in the future. so how do I clue in the audience to feel a certain way without mm-hmm. get without giving too much away? And I think the music was a really great way to do that
0: it absolutely is, and it's like subliminal messaging <laughs> it, it, it really it really is, but it's like here's the thing about a black mirror episode you know something is wiggity-whacked, but usually it's... You'll know kind of as you're going into it what you're what you're dealing with. Because essentially the way Black Mirror works is technology will kill us all eventually, is the general conceit. I mean, Black Mirror, the name itself, is just referring to, like, the screens of iPhones, like the Black Mirror that we lose ourselves into on a day-to-day basis. And... It's As opposed to something like the Twilight Zone, which is kind of a very broad idea that uses a lot of different things, Black Mirror is specific to technology. It utilizes technology in a very um, pointed way in all of its kind of episodes and all of its twists. Sandra Junipero is an outlier in this way because you don't really see any crazy technology or know that you're actually in technology until about halfway through the actual episode. It's not until uh, Yorkie and Kelly actually uh, are together for the first time and then we start seeing Yorkie going to different time periods that we're actually aware that something is off here other than just our inclination that something is is weird with these people. You know what I mean?
1: You know what I think is interesting and really funny Mm -hmm. is... (laughs) the fact that it's a Black Mirror episode that's... It's one of the only optimistic ones, right? If it... Oh my god, yes. It's not the only. (laughs) But you don't... I'm trying to
0: think if there is another one. I think you may be right.
1: But the whole thing is set in this futuristic thing, but it's one of the only episodes where there's, like, no technology. Like, it's almost telling you to live your best life. There is no technology. Like, the fact that they went back to a time where there's really not a whole lot of technology, kind of, right. th- like, makes a statement. Like, everyone's focused on actually living instead of right. the future that uh, we know. What's
0: very, what's very specific about it is all the timelines that Yorkie and Kelly end up going to, none of them have cell phones which, or the Internet in any real way. The, the, the latest time period they go to is 2002. Which
1: brings which, me to something that I yes, noticed was – there was that change in the script – from the script to the show where she – do you remember in 2002 where in the script she, like, throws her cell phone against the wall and breaks it?
0: Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. You're so right. They cut that. That's not in the episode.
1: Like, I don't know if it was because, you know, maybe it was t- out of character for Yorkie to be that aggressive or if it was just like you know we don't really want to bring too much attention to any more technology, but right. I think that it was a smart move to take it out because I can't see Yorkie snatching a phone out of Kelly's hand and breaking it.
0: Not really, but also it allows for the 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 simileness of the time periods to be more exact. Like in every one, there's the same bar, same-ish kind of people, the same arcade. San Junipero doesn't change that much, except for the time period that it wants to represent. It's essentially just this. You know how like like video game developers they'll they'll like take this like like a game engine or something and just put all their stuff into it and build around it. That feels like what San Junipero is. It's like we have this base shell of a world, and you can input all of this information to create something that feels can gently like the time period you're trying to represent basically through pop culture and costumes.
1: Right. I think most of the changes that we've seen from the script to the show was all mainly just trimmings. Like there's mm-hmm. no like there weren't there weren't any scenes really that were taken out in at least from the shooting script to what we we see but everything else is just kind of like it was either as to not give too much away kind of like where um on the way to kelly's house Yorkie like winces and kelly says like relax what's the worst that's going to happen like you know that's kind right. of too much so i think most of the changes yeah. are just like trimmings
0: yeah they certainly they certainly kind of lose a lot of the Yorkie is still kind of temp- little, kind of scared about the whole idea of driving in a car. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole element's kind of not there anymore, even though it is still a factor in the story. The, uh, the specificity of that, where every time she kind of gets around a car or she has like this kind of car flashbacks. There's a couple in there, but that's not as as uh, acutely there. Um, the main, I mean, one of the things about this specific script that we have is, as opposed to last week where we had a, a network revision, this one is the, this is the script they were giving out as a, um, as a sample for the Emmys. This is, this was the Emmys draft, which is the final production draft after the episode was cut, after it aired. This is what went out to members of the Academy of the, uh, of the television Academy And they were like, hey, we're awesome. You love this episode. Read it and vote for us, which they did. It actually won for uh, Outstanding Writing for a Limited Series as it goddamn should have. Mm -hmm. So so let's get into why we think this episode is so affecting because I would contend that this type of television – almost has a leg up in the emotion department over normal, traditional, serialized television. Because in anthology land, you can end a story. You can actually create an emotional arc that will button up at the end, and then you can leave the audience being like, I had the full breadth of emotion there, and now we're done, and now I can actually feel things as opposed to an episode of television like, say, The 100, where they basically spent the entire pilot dealing with character introductions and were not able to really tie up any real narrative threads because you have to write 20 episodes of television to get to the end of a season. So when it comes to the actual writing, there's a very interesting moment early on in this script that I think is antithetical to a moment that we bitched about a lot deservingly, On last week's episode with The 100 and how their main protagonist is a female who is smarter than she is hot, but (laughs) not by much. In this episode of television, what we talked about last week essentially was that you got to give your actress something to to play. You got to actually give her direction as to who your character is as a person. And at the time that really saying she's hot and smart doesn't really do that much at all. It doesn't but, tell you anything. does not tell you squat. It tells you you're a CW actress. That's mm-hmm. pretty much it. But on this end, let's look at how Yorkie our main our our, our I'll say this, our first protagonist. Not necessarily our only protagonist, but certainly the first one that we meet. This is how she is described walking into San Junipero. Along the sidewalk we follow Yorkie, a slightly awkward woman in her early 20s, dressed so as not to stand out. Jeans, sweatshirt, she wears glasses with black rims. She's looking around, a little like a tourist, taking in the sights. Now, later on in the episode, they make a point of distinguishing tourists from residents of San Junipero, which basically means whether or not you're actually dead or not. If you're dead, you are a resident of San Junipero, and if you are a um, tourist, that means you're either trying it out or you're in the process of, of going into dementia. It's basically nostalgia therapy. But putting it in the scene description, which is not something the audience will ever see, gives the actress... Absolutely everything she needs to understand how she's supposed to be in this moment. For Mackenzie Davis, who's amazing in this episode, and also um, Gugu Mbathra, uh, who plays Kelly. And they are both incredibly good in this episode and nuanced in this episode, but the nuance has to be born from descriptors that the writer gives to them. Otherwise, how are they supposed to play bland, uh, artificial details? They need something deeply emotional.
1: Right. So I think a lot of it, too, has to come from the fact that it is more of a snippet in time. You know, it's not setting up a whole series. So right. It, I think that when you're setting up a whole series, maybe in the back of your head you're like, this is, you know, I don't have to give too much away now because you'll find out more later. Whereas this is, like, right to the point. Like, you mm-hmm. have, like, you, it forces you to trim out the excess and get the point across quickly which is what I love about you know an anthology series or even short story writing I like the fact that you can tell a story really well uh in like a limited amount of time
0: absolutely because you're not given the crutch of we're gonna do we're gonna set up a smoke monster in this episode we don't have to explain what it is we'll figure it out later We're gonna Mm -hmm. we're gonna put a polar bear on this island. We don't really know why it's there, but we're gonna tell you about it later. But if there's not a good answer, it's just not a good answer. But anthology series make you have an answer, which frankly I think is why uh, an anthology series like American Horse Story is such hit and miss. Like there's Mm -hmm. series of episodes of American Horse Story that I think are amazing and seasons that are amazing. There's other ones where you can tell halfway through the season. They did not know how to end it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like they just hit a wall and they're just like, oh. We killed off our bad guy in episode five. <laughs> We've still got a lot of episodes left. Crap. You know. And but that's the kind of the, the 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 joy and um despair of writing television. Is that you're not allowed usually the opportunity to just end something with a full three-act structure within one sitting for the audience. That is what the magic of true anthologies like The Twilight Zone or like Black Mirror allow for the audience to have, Um, which allows for little details to come into the plot that otherwise would kind of get lost or honestly wouldn't probably be thought of in an actual kind of episodic thing of television or a, or a, um, a serialized form of television. Little things like how... Yorkie takes, like, there's little things that aren't in the script that are on the episode that are character touches that can only be found through conversations with the director and the actors and everybody involved. Like, Yorkie sticking her foot out into the rain when she steps out of the bar for the first time because she's been in a coma for 40 years and hasn't felt the rain. Um, little things like... like. um Like there's a, I I lost track of that one. Um,
1: I found out a cool tidbit of information, like a fact about the rain scene.
0: Yeah. Oh, please.
1: He did not make the decision about whether or not it could rain in San Junipero until they shot that scene. Some of his creative choices are very uh, spur of the moment, which I, I tend to really appreciate.
0: Which, frankly, I just think, and then also that is just a general fallacy when it comes to the idea of filmmaking and television making. Is that people seem to have this idea that pe that the people that make movies or write movies or television know every single mm-hmm. thing that's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and why it's going to happen, and how you're going to react to it before cameras even roll or before <laughs> right. they even get into the edit room, which is patently ridiculous there has never been a movie or episode of television ever made where the person who made it actually thought that the actual thing they got to the end with was the exact thing that was in their head
1: right it is a
0: process
1: even the script i mean this is the one they sent to the freaking emmys and it's still different
0: it is it's like there's little moments where you'll spend you know two eighths of a page talking to a a couple people that are just in san de perro talking about tourists when it's like no, I don't need to see that or hear that. Let's get back with Yorkie and Kelly because they're the only ones we care about here. There's these other moments where in the script, it's written that after Kelly and Yorkie have a fight, Yorkie rushes out of the bar and looks around and then sees that there's a scaffolding that leads up to the top of the the, the third story of the bar. In the episode, we don't see that. All we see is Kelly running out after her and then finding her already sitting up on the roof, which is inherently a more cinematic way of looking at it, where we as the audience are discovering the world along with Kelly, or discovering where Yorkie is along with Kelly. And we've talked about this before, where discovery for the audience, as well as the characters, more like the discovery of the audience through the characters is so integrally important to good narrative storytelling when it comes to television and movies. Because the worst thing you could ever do is give exposition for exposition's sake, where nobody is discovering anything. Right. The best thing you can do is something like this episode, where Yorkie, who knows basically what San Junipero is, but has never experienced it for herself, and frankly, as we find out, hasn't actually walked around or seen much of anything for the past 40 years of her life is discovering what the rules are, what she can do, who's there, what she can say, what the rule, the time limits are. We're discovering the rules of San Junipero right along with her. So it's a completely organic process that does not feel forced or, or um, put upon the audience in any way, because we are seeing the world through her eyes.
1: It goes even one step further because you also don't learn everything about the world until the end where, you know, Greg, the nurse in the hospital, nursing home, whatever it is. I tells, think it seems like
0: a hospital. You mean yeah. Greg, Greg, the kindly nurse who I just want to give a hug. Yes. Things like, I think he needs one.
1: He's such a teddy bear. He's
0: I, love, a guy. I
1: love that we find out more about it all the way at like basically the end of the story through Kelly, who, you know, when we first meet her, she's the one who seems to know all about it. But then right, exactly. I, I mean, at the end of the story, she's learning even more about it. So I mean, it it just kinda shows you that not only are these both of both characters our protagonists, but it kinda makes you feel like you are part of it because you're you're discovering it with Yorkie and then you're learning even more through Kelly so it doesn't feel like expository like one person is doing all the work
0: right well what's interesting about Kelly too is that she very early on establishes that the reason she is in San Junipero is to have fun before she dies Mm -hmm. she has like a four or five month um Uh, 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 prognosis from her doctors. She will not be here long and she will not stick around to have her brain uploaded to the cloud because her husband chose not to do that because their daughter died before the Sanju de Perro. Um, project was in place so she never had the option so out of guilt her husband didn't take it and because of that uh, Kelly's decides she doesn't want to take it either but as the story develops Kelly kind of starts to learn with the audience that San Junipero is much more than just a party town San Junipero is a second life and an opportunity to be the person that a lot of these folks have always wanted to be, but never have had the opportunity to be, especially for right. someone like Yorkie. Yorkie, for, for for Yorkie, San Junipero is essentially her life. Mm-hmm. It's not a second life. It's the only one she's ever been able to actually live, and this opportunity is everything to her.
1: Right. I love that both of them had to learn that San Junipero, although it's a simulation, is a second chance and that they both had to let go of things to live that second chance like kelly had to let go of her guilt and accept that you know it's not just something fun to do before you die like it is a second chance at life because she's getting to live a different kind of life than she lived before and then obviously Yorkie is having to let go of a lot of past trauma to live her second life the best way possible and accept herself so they're both letting go of things in order to gain the second chance
0: right there's a great moment early on where Yorkie now and and I also want to clarify in this episode we're not going to talk too much about the differences between uh, the script and the screen because frankly they're essentially the same Mm -hmm. this is one of those retroactive um drafts of the screenplay that are Put together After the fact, once the episode's kind of cut together, so this is basically kind of what you're going to see. But it's still interesting to see how he writes it on the page. But what's so smart about Yorkie is that the first night when Kelly offers her the chance to go to bed with her, Yorkie says no only out of being uncomfortable because the implications of going to bed with a woman led to her being in a hospital and being a quadriplegic for 40 years of her life. Her family... Uh, disowned her, family did not care enough about her or love her enough to allow her this happiness. So she's scared to take it here at Sandra DiPero. But once she walks away from Kelly, she has a moment of decision where you see her decide, you know, no, I want this. And she turns, but Kelly isn't there. Right, And then the time runs out and then has to wait a whole other week. It's so important to show Kelly, excuse me, to show Yorkie Making that distinct decision to want to go back because if you had written it to where Yorkie just shows up again and then Kelly seduces her again, that is not a proactive protagonist and that is Mm -hmm. also just not an interesting character. It
1: it makes the choices a lot more... Not heavy, but it, it highlights the choice, ma- the choices and the decision making in a lot more of an active way, right?
0: For sure, because like none of the choices in this episode of television are easy. Mm-hmm. All the choices are life or death, literally. Life yeah. in the sense of literal living, like like I'm breathing, I'm dead, I'm not going to be here anymore, or living your life and actually fulfilling who you are as a person uh it hits on both of these things and honestly for Kelly and Yorkie they both are dealing with the opposite of those mm-hmm. um or and both and, and the same honestly um it's very interesting how this idea of heaven and this idea of allowing yourself complete freedom is equally liberating and completely terrifying with the vastness of eternity stretching yeah, I mean, out before you.
1: Having them both be two sides of the same coin is a great way to explore that idea because you're right like you have such an interesting opportunity and you have eternity to figure out who you are and what your what those choices mean.
0: That's so scary.
1: It really is.
0: Just the idea of forever is a that-
1: I think that that scares Kelly, too.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yorkie, for Yorkie, it, it's not even a thing because she's she's from zero to 60. She's had mm-hmm. nothing. So what does she right. have to lose? But for Kelly, the idea of eternity, frankly, with another person because she has very – very very there's two great moments with Kelly where she is completely vulnerable. One is after she and Yorkie have gone to bed together and they're laying in bed, and she basically admits to having a husband in her past who quote unquote decided not to stick around and then moving on with her life and not wanting commitments and not wanting to stay with anything. Then later, after Yorkie and Kelly are officially married, and Yorkie's trying to tell Kelly to stay at Sandra Deparoo and not die kelly says you don't understand the life that i've had with this other person you don't understand where i was and what i've done in the 40 years of laughing and crying and boredom and sadness and commitment that we gave to each other you can't know the bond the commitment the
1: boredom the yearning the laughter the love of it the fucking love you just cannot know Everything we sacrificed. The years I gave him, the years he gave me. Did you
0: think to ask? Did it occur to you to ask? And I think it's kind of daunting for Kelly the idea of doing that again for eternity. Like what right. is that even like what does that even look like? Or what does that even feel like? That's gotta be so daunting.
1: Well, I mean that's her arguably her entire character arc because when you first meet her, that's her issue is commitment and not wanting to experience heartbreak again.
0: Absolutely. And which (laughs) compared to Yorkie, who's never felt love. Like it's this weird thing where it's like, Kelly is very aware that love couples with heartbreak and Yorkie just kind of wants it all because she's had nothing.
1: Which is so... (sighs) great because it contrasts just about everybody in San Junipero absolutely she's just this like little nugget of sunshine in this like even though everyone's happy it still kind of comes across as a little desperate and dark
0: well there's this very great uh, early on uh, scene descriptor uh, that says uh, the people in, the, in in Tucker's bar are like the cast of every John Hughes movie ever <laughs> Every single person there is trying to emulate. And and Kelly even makes a comment about it. It's like everybody here is trying too hard. It's like what they saw in a movie one
1: time. Oh, I love that line.
0: It's so good. And every single thing about this episode, whereas a lot of twist-based, a lot of twist-based episode of television or movies, they don't necessarily work as well upon rewatch. This is one of those that gets so much better upon rewatch because every line of dialogue has a double meaning mm-hmm. every line of dialogue is all about context and it works whether you know Sanju judo is a cloud-based illusion or if you think that it's actually a real place and that is all all a huge compliment to the writing which is so expertly crafted and delivered so effortlessly well by these actresses who are playing 60- and 70-year-old women in the body of 20-year-olds, 20, 20 which yeah. is a whole other dimension of acting ability.
1: It's so great, and it it gets better as you watch it because they are allowed more and more emotions, like like hard emotions. Like, by the time you get to the scene where Kelly blows up on Yorkie, you're just, like, full-on sobbing.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Or at least I was. Oh, for sure. Like, there's a... I, basically, here's the way my notes look on this episode. So, what we essentially do is, when I watch one of these episodes, or, or a movie, or whatever we're doing an episode for, I've got, like, three windows up on my computer. I've got the episode itself, I've got the script up where I can scroll through as we go, and I've got a little doc up where I'm making notes. So, if you scroll down my notes, you get all the way to about when Kelly and Yorkie go to bed... For the second time. And Kelly says she wants to visit Yorkie in the real world. After that. My notes stop because I'm <laughs> weeping. And I just do not want to. I do not want to uh, stop doing that. Because the emotional connection with this this episode. Of television is so profound. And sweet. And earnest. And it's so real. That honestly analysis doesn't do it justice.
1: Yeah. I mean it's an experience in and of itself. Which is. Also fascinating because San Junipero is kind of like that too. You know, it's an it really experience. Is. You lose yourself in it. You know, like everything about the writing and the way they shot this complements the idea behind the entire thing.
0: One hundred fifty percent. It's a perfect that, example <laughs> of execution. That was
1: my fancy way of saying it has layers.
0: <laughs> layers. Onions have layers. So does San Perro.
1: Yes, they do.
0: Um, Let's see. All right, Mads, you want to talk about favorite scene? Yes. All right. what What is your favorite scene from San Perro?
1: I have three, but I'll tell you my most recent I would love favorite. to
0: hear as many scenes. We can just do a live reading of this <laughs> script between the pair of us, and I think I would be very happy. We don't even have to record it. I just We just read it back and forth to each other. It would be magical. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let me see. Okay, it's at the end where yep. older Kelly is dying, right? So, and she's being taken care of by her nurse, or is it her friend? Laura, like, ner- I think, yeah, yeah, yeah I think Laura. it's
0: her. I, think, I believe it's her nurse. I
1: think it's her nurse. And she is talking to her and Kelly. I think they're on a bench. And I think Kelly, they're, yeah, they're says, like outside
0: the hospital. I think, yeah, yeah.
1: Kelly says, "I said, well, okay then." Laura just looks puzzled kelly says all things considered i guess i'm ready lara's more confused for what and then kelly says for the rest of it okay then huh kelly all things considered i guess i'm ready rest of it and she smiles rest of it. cut to black oh, then so and then it cuts to the 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 san june <laughs> right, Yeah, that.
0: and then
1: yeah and then they they get together and they, <laughs> so beautiful
0: so it's you so see, beautiful.
1: <laughs> it's like a transition from older dying kelly to like this actual heaven on earth and it's just this perfect little circle and i love that 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 line that i'm ready for the rest of it because it shows kelly's character development it tells us that she no longer sees this place as you know something that's not for her or you know she's not cynical she's not cynical anymore she's excited about living her new life because the emphasis on it's not the end, it's just part two, is yeah. such a great way to look at dying.
0: It really is. And you know what's also very cool about the ending? Is, this isn't written in, but when after she says the line, what are you ready for? The rest of it. You cut hard to black. Yes. And then the director title pops up. Yes. And then as an audience member, you're like, what did she choose? What is, mm-hmm. did... She go to see her, and then like thirty seconds later, it like not thirty seconds, like two seconds later, it pops up. Okay, now we're gonna see her. Okay, and then it just starts flashing between credits and the actual sequence of Kelly dying and then being uploaded in San Junipero, and then Kelly and Yorkie being together. But just that split moment of the rest of it, okay. black, love like, it. What? <gasps> <gasps> you just have no idea. It, it's it's
1: so. It's like one last sucker punch to your feelings. It really
0: is. <laughs> Because you don't know. And he's like, ah, did she or didn't she? Oh, she did. We're going to give you a happy ending. We're black mirror, but we're going to do a nice thing for once.
1: So, yeah, that that's my favorite.
0: I love it. Okay, cool. Now, my favorite, which I also cry at, um, is scene 49. It's on page 45. Uh, exterior, Kelly's house day. 1987. It's Kelly's San Junipero and house during daylight hours. She opens the door, and there, looking a little confused, is Yorkie. Kelly. Hey, over here, hurry. Yorkie looks around. Yorkie, not been here during the daylight hours before. It's warm. Kelly walks outside to join her. They hold hands and walk along the sand. Kelly, so I spoke to Greg. Yorkie, uh uh-huh. Kelly, you're passing over tomorrow. Yorkie, a couple hours after the wedding. So I guess technically I'm honeymooning here forever. I'm sorry I didn't tell you. Kelly puts a finger on Yorkie's lips. I'm going to say something crazy. Yorkie, okay. Kelly gets down on one knee, right there. Kelly, want to marry me instead? Yorkie looks stunned. Kelly, just, Greg seems great, but why not someone you've connected with? Yorkie drops down and kisses her. Kelly, that a yes?
1: Passing over tomorrow? Yeah, a couple hours after the wedding. So I guess I'm technically honeymooning here forever. I'm sorry I didn't tell you. I'm gonna say something crazy. Okay. okay. Wanna marry me instead? Just Greg seems great, but why not someone you've connected with? <laughs>
0: everything we've wanted for them it's, it's a pure moment of complete and utter empathetic wholesome joy that these two people that have lost so much will find happiness with each other in this magical place it's it's so profoundly beautiful to me
1: it's such a pretty scene too
0: it is this is a pretty a pretty episode of television this is a gorgeously shot uh a uh, piece of filmmaking
1: it really is it's it's an emotional roller coaster of gorgeous scenery
0: <laughs> it's it's an emotional roller coaster, but in the most like satisfying not very complicated or it doesn't this isn't a hard working episode it's not trying to throw a bunch of curveballs at you it's just like a little slide it's like you sit on it and you're just gonna slide into tears like it's just it's an it's deceptively effortless in it's execution and i think that to me is it is the highest mark of mastery is if you just make it look easy to get right. us to feel that much when you go hard to black and we're just like wait but then you can give us what you want that is expert level craftsmanship i love it i love it so much
1: excellent pick right. this week
0: Thank you very much, Madison. I very much appreciate it. I'm looking forward to yours, whatever it may be. And on that note, that is it for Page Break this week. I'm Jeremy.
1: I'm Madison.
0: And break.